In anticipation of Super Bowl 58 and the NFL playoffs, BetMGM has a brand new offer for the listeners of the Just Baseball Show. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through BetMGM Sportsbook app of at least $5. You will receive $158 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. So how do you get this offer? Well, first, you're going to download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $5 into your newly created account. Place a wager in the amount of at least $5 at standard odds price. Once you have placed a bet, you will receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your wager. Disclaimer, BetMGM.com for terms and conditions must be 21 plus to wager. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get $158 when you bet at least $5 on your first wager. Do it on BetMGM. Wednesday, January 17th, we're continuing the Playing GM series this time around with the Boston Red Sox and the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm Arm Layton. He's Peter Apple. And I'm excited to talk about the the Red Sox for for good reason, Peter. Uh, But also the Diamondbacks, kind of interesting because I feel like they've done a lot of what they've needed to do. So how can we kind of push them over the top? But before we get into all of that, as always, Peter, this show and as always is brought to you by... Bet MGM, the king of sports books. The offer is still available, ladies and gentlemen. And a lot of you have sent me messages that you've used it already. But if you haven't yet, download the Bet MGM sports app on iOS or Android. Bet $5. But before that, use code just baseball. Bet $5 on standard odds. That's minus 110. Just a Lincoln, not more, not less, five bucks. And what happens when the bet is settled? You will get $158 in bonus bets. Why wouldn't you? Super Bowl 58. Just get some money loaded into the account. We're going to be unloading on MLB futures. We got plenty of MLB bets. And even if you aren't much of a gambler, might as well just use the free money they give you. Then you can stop if you want to do it on BetMGM. Aram, last time. About a year ago, when we did the Diamondbacks GM episode, we both sat here thinking, 
we are going to unload on their overwin total on BetMGM. But we weren't high enough. Why didn't we bet on them to win the World Series? <laughs> it's funny, man, because I loved their their overwin total for last year, which what was it like 74? 74 and a half. Just yeah. so disrespectful. And but at the same time, if you told me, hey, what are their chances of winning the World Series? I would have laughed. So or even going to the World Series, I would have laughed. So it, it, it shows you the levels to it, too. Like we were so set on them being over 74 and a half. I mean, we felt like that was the, the easiest pick of the year and it ended up being that. But even still, I would have never even said, don't even waste your five dollar free bet on on the Arizona Diamondbacks, even winning the pennant. But now. Things kind of change a little bit, Peter, because this is a team that did get to the World Series. Yes, it's about getting hot at the right time, but clearly it's a team that is capable of, of playing at that level. And they've added some players. I, I, in the beginning, I said, let's start with the Red Sox. Do you want to start with the Diamondbacks now, the way you're leading this in here? Because like, I, I feel like it is just the perfect conversation to segue us in here is, one, do you believe it was an overperformance last year and do they need to try to compensate for some things to just get back up to the upper 80s or, or 90 win total? And two, do you feel like they've addressed enough already to get them to where they need to be uh, to compete for a playoff spot yet again? It's going to be hard for the division. So we're just really looking at a wild card spot. And then how is this team built for the playoffs? So I'll answer the first question. Do I think that they overperformed? Kind of. But at the same time, there are some players currently on their roster that I expect to continue to play at the same level, maybe exceed it, most notably Gabriel Moreno and Brandon Fott, right? So they're adding those two now really into the fold because we saw Brandon Fott take that next leap, the leap that both of you and I thought that he would do all along. And then Gabriel Moreno, we're going to come out with our top tens, right, at every position and I wanted to rank Moreno higher because of how good he looked in the postseason, just how highly we think of him as a prospect. But you look at his regular season numbers and I was underwhelmed. So I'm thinking to myself, well, now he's going to be better. And could tell Marte in the playoffs, put the team on his back. And when he stays healthy, he's just a freak in nature. Corbin Carroll, I don't think he's going to get worse. No. So. I think they, of course, overperformed and maybe by the metrics, they got a little bit lucky in one run games. But then at the same time, I think they could be even better this year. Mm -hmm. And then it's just about getting in the playoffs and then anything can happen. Yeah. And, so. and we're going to go through like the transactions as always. And typically we, we, we go through it alphabetically, but Jack was not able to do this episode today. And Jack wants to do both the Chicago's understandably. So, so we're going to save both the Chicago teams for the next episode, but you bring up a really good point, Peter, which is this team naturally is going to get better just based on a lot of the young stars or young quality players that they have continuing to just mature and improve. I do think, the second half. I mean, Moreno was one of the best catchers, if not the best catcher in baseball in the second half, both defensively and then really putting together good numbers offensively. And then even Alec Thomas, like it seemed like something clicked for him in the playoffs and down the stretch of the regular season. But then especially in the playoffs, if that guy plays, even if he's a league average hitter, you're getting three war from him. And that's he wasn't a league average hitter last year. That was the problem. McCarthy showed some signs of life. Perdomo kind of got back going again after falling off a cliff in the second half. So which Perdomo do you get? It's it's one of those teams that I do think naturally is going to, I think, get better 
by its players, its young players continuing to get experience and mature. They also did something really important as we go through some of the transactions here is bringing back Lourdes Gurriel, which I think was really important because he's that vet. He's that consistent, consistent bat that you can add, you know, or, or maintain in that lineup. They do lose Tommy Pham in free agency. Zach Davies also gone. Austin Adams is gone. Longoria, they, they'd cut Nick Ahmed earlier, so doesn't really matter. Madison Bumgarner doesn't really matter. Kyle Lewis. That's good. Really, Some really of these matter. things are good. Some yeah. of these things are good. Yeah. And Mark Melanson was was not never really available for them. So that's that's more money for them to be freed up. Unfortunately, that multi-year deal just didn't go well. So those are the players that they quote unquote lose aside from Gurriel, who, who they bring back. I think the only real loss there, I think Longo did provide, you know, some veteran leadership. I, I think he was a productive hitter at points when he was healthy, really ran out of gas at the end of the year. But they bring back Gurriel, who can kind of be that that vet for them, who's been there and done that with them over the last year and, and change. So in terms of the subtractions, I don't think you can really be upset about it, aside from what Tommy Pham provided down the stretch and what Tommy Pham can provide against left-handed pitching. Yeah, and you can kind of replicate Tommy Pham and another player. Like, there's plenty of Tommy Pham's out there, and it was good to see him have a little stretch in the postseason where he looked great, and then we got to the World Series, and that kind of came crashing down a little bit. But overall, he was a solid postseason player for him. But like I said, the Diamondbacks over an entire season can find another Tommy Pham, yeah. right? It's not that hard. And I love the additions that they've made so far, and I'm excited to get – your thoughts. We've talked about the, the moves in a vacuum, but just to make this team better, they go get a Eugenio Suarez capitalizing on the Mariners, you know, just not really wanted to pay him. And they get him for what was a pretty minimal return. And then Eduardo Rodriguez being able to sign him to a big deal, add him to the rotation. They needed a lefty. They needed just that safe, consistent guy to compliment Merrill Kelly, who's that safe, consistent guy. And then Zach Gallen, who's been their frontline guy, because if Brandon fought, you know, stalls out a little bit, you know, you're hoping that you're going to get what you got from the end of the year, Brandon fought, but you also don't want to overassume. I think they're going to get that, but just adding him to the fold, that's a really good four-headed monster. We'll visit that in a moment, but those were their, their, their big, big additions. They also signed Tucker Barnhart. He's a non-roster invitee, and that's really all they've had to do so far. So I ask you this, how much more do they really need to do? We, we can do the exercise where we go through the lineup, and you can just stop me when you think they need to potentially have an upgrade there. Um, but again, I, I think we're going to be going pretty quickly through it because I think they're pretty set in a lot of spots. Yeah. I look at the Diamondbacks and I would like one or two more bullpen arms, even mm -hmm. though their bullpen was great in the playoffs. But again, you can't just hang your hat on one great playoff series because in the regular season, the bullpen at sometimes was the issue. Yes. So we can't blind ourselves me included saying Kevin Ginkle is the biggest nutsack in the history of Major League Baseball by looking at one short stint. Yes. I want to look at their entire body of work. So I think that this bullpen needs some more work yeah. in the rotation. It's interesting. Do you want to rely on Tommy Henry? Do you want to rely on Ryan Nelson as kind of the five and whoever comes back up is is good enough? Or should we sign a veteran pitcher? Do we just rock with it? But the offense, let's go position by position and explain to people why we're still really high in the Diamondbacks again. Let's walk through it, dude. Corbin Carroll, I mean, good. Left field, covered. Can tell Marte forever. at second base? Wait, hold on. Left field, maybe forever. Forever. For the next 30 years, maybe yeah. 40. Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> a statue. They're going to have a statue sitting there by the time he's done, too. So he'll just always be there. I love uh, him so much. Can tell Marte at second base, 
just absolute dog. Freak. You don't have any questions there. Nope. Moreno at catcher, you're fine. Walker Good. at first base, you're fine. Suarez yep. at third base, you went out and just got. Alec Thomas in center field, look, if he struggles, you could go look at some other options, but I love the way he finished the year. He's still 23 years old. Yeah. I think he's a great option in center field and such a good defender. I made fun of Alec Thomas a lot at the beginning of the year because I thought it was an auto ground out to second base. And that's what it was for a good period of time. And then he starts getting into a little bit of a power stroke. And then I think to myself, I feel like Alec Thomas has been in the league for a couple of years, but he still is only 23 years old. Yeah. Right. If he could develop a little bit of power, just some gap to gap power, right? Just spray doubles with that speed playing that great a defense. I mean, this is a three to four win player. This is like what Trent Grisham is at his peak. Yeah. Even though his peak is not anymore, but we know what I'm talking about. Yeah. No. And, and, and the floor is just so high. Grisham still was one of the worst hitters at, at points and, yeah. and still was an everyday player. And I think Thomas is going to be better than that. And, and beyond that, I talked about it during the playoffs, but there were some mechanical adjustments that he made in his swing that I, I really did like. And I think that's part of why he was able to produce. You also get Lourdes Gurriel back. He's probably going to fill into that DH role. And then at shortstop, for now, if you look at Fangraphs roster resource, it's, it's Geraldo Perdomo. It's probably going to be the guy that gets that role. But then also you have Jordan Lawler waiting in the wings. If you want to get him some more reps in AAA, you can do that. He did look a little bit overmatched at times. One of the best prospects in baseball. We're still extremely, extremely high on him. But I could understand maybe you know wanting to work on some things there. So we'll see how they handle that situation. Yeah, wh- what do you what do you predict in that situation? Because like you said, he's one of the best in baseball, but Geraldo Perdomo made an all-star team and was making an impact in the World Series. Do you think the Diamondbacks, is it worth it for us to consider a trade? Get Geraldo Perdomo out of there? Is it worth it to even float Jordan Lawler in a big, nasty galaxy brain, get an entire team for Jordan Lawler type trade? Like, what do we do here? And what do the Diamondbacks do? I think you got to ride it out with both of them because you you have uncertainty both ways, right? Because you have Perdomo, who was a tale of two halves, and then you have Lawler, who's a young, and they're both very young. You have Lawler, who's a young prospect, who's still trying to prove that you know he's ready to contribute at the big league level. So if Perdomo falls off a cliff, you need Lawler. If if Lawler is really showing out and and Perdomo's struggling, like you're, you're going to be glad you had Lawler. So I, I feel like it's one of those tough spots where also if Lawler's struggling and just can't quite seem to get acclimated to the big leagues, you're going to be really happy that you had Perdomo because yeah. they don't really have anybody else. I think the next guy in the pecking order is Blaze Alexander, who they added to the 40 man roster to protect from the rule five draft. He's got big power, but I don't, I don't think that's a guy that you want it at shortstop every single day, especially because he, he's going to be a lot worse defensively than the other two. So I feel like you almost have to play it safe and roll with both of them. And then if both are playing well, that's when maybe you you approach a trade or or consider a trade. But right now, I think you got to put both irons in the fire and and hope one of them at least puts together a good year. I guess could we make a better Diamondbacks team trading Geraldo Perdomo and maybe signing a Tim Anderson, signing a Elvis Andrews? signing one of these veterans that will at least give you below average to average production. And then maybe we can go get a pitcher in exchange for Perdomo. I'm just trying to be strategic here. What works best for the Diamondbacks long-term because you make a really good point, right? If Jordan Lawler isn't ready, you got Geraldo Perdomo. If Geraldo Perdomo truly was just a flash in the pan, now you give Jordan Lawler some run. So right now doing nothing, they're totally fine. But if we are strategic, 
Can we make the Diamondbacks better? What even is Geraldo Perdomo's value in the market in a trade? I think a lot of teams are going to look at him and say, what even is he? Because yeah. he is a switch hitter. He plays great defense, but sometimes he hits and sometimes he doesn't. It truly was a tale of both halves. All-star in the first half, below average hitter, far below average hitter in the second half. And besides that front half, he was a below average hitter, but he is really young. It's a really tough deal it might just be better to do nothing i I just wanted to bring that question to the forefront it's a great question because i I do see people talking about like oh yeah what what should they do and and i think it's one of those things where you kind of let it take care of itself i think sometimes when you you count the chickens before they hatch and kind of force a deal you you can end up you know leaving yourself exposed and, and leaving yourself in a bad spot so uh, I think Perdomo is very capped ceiling wise, but at the same time, I think the floor is very high for all the reasons that you just laid out. And, and in a perfect world, you have Waller balling out. You put him at shortstop every single day. And Perdomo is still a guy that's going to get a lot of opportunity kind of all over the diamond. And it's going to be this super utility piece for you. That's still very valuable. Uh, I think from that lens, I'd want to keep both, especially with the years of control and, and the money that you're going to have to put towards a Tim Anderson or, or towards somebody else. I know they're not going to be extremely expensive at all, but there's nothing that's cheap anymore. So these guys are, you know, on the minimum pre-arb roll with that, put that money towards the bullpen. Cause I agree with you. I think the bullpen is kind of the, I wouldn't say a weakness, but it's, it's definitely the one area where I could see things, you know, maybe not looking as good as they looked in the postseason based on, you know, some of the, the just hot streaks that players had just how relievers are. Right. Yeah. Like relievers are hot and cold. You know, you could have a great run in the postseason. And then next time you get to the postseason, they all blow up because they're yeah. relievers. That's why nobody wants to commit any money to these guys, because yeah. it's impossible. Yeah. And um, Aram, just continuing what you were saying about the Perdomo Lawler thing. I mean, I love Ketel Marte, but there's a reason, right, that sometimes he ranks a little bit lower on these lists. He, he has played a lot of games in the past two years, right? 137 in 2022, 150 in 2023. But before that, he's missed some time. Yeah. So worst case scenario, right? You can move Perdomo to second or you can move Lawler to second. And that can then be your middle infield tandem if Marte goes down. We hope he doesn't. He's been healthy the last two years, but it's good to just have both of them in house. Regardless, you you actually bring up an excellent point. I didn't even really think about that. How about I'll expand that a little bit further. The fact that if you have, let's say, to tell Marte's on the other side of 30, like you mentioned, you might want to keep him off his legs here and there. You might want to just run through the DH spot. You don't have a guy that's a clog at DH. Guriel can play the outfield. There's multiple scenarios here, right? Where one, if Jake McCarthy struggles, because that's the last player we didn't get to. If Jake McCarthy isn't hitting, then you could slide Guriel to the outfield spot, you could then put Cattell at DH, and then you can have a middle infield of Perdomo and Lawler, which would be one of the best defensive middle infields in baseball. It'd be right up there, you know, with the Cubs middle infield once these guys really get their their feet under them, especially Lawler. So I, I do like that ability to mix and match too, where it's like, okay, it's not only an insurance policy for shortstop, it's an insurance policy for left field technically or second base. So you have a guy that could end up, you know, helping you really not lose too, too much if you're not getting production out of out of the corner with Jake McCarthy or if, you know, God forbid, Ketel Marte gets hurt. Um, I think from that lens, it allows you to mix and match even more. So even more reason to have those two versatile infielders who can, can give you a lot of value with the glove. And let's say you're giving Alec Thomas a rest. 
you put Cato Marte in center because he can play in the outfield too. And then that would be your middle infield. And we aren't even talking about Cato Marte having an off day or playing some DH or getting injured. And that's why it's almost like, should they add another middle infield bat or something like that? Because remember the Paul Seawall trade, Dominic Canzone is no longer a Diamondback and neither is Josh Rojas. Those were depth pieces and you needed to get that in order to get your closer and that's fine. But right now on their bench, their backup infielder is Jace Peterson yeah. or Emmanuel Rivera, right? Like, I don't know. Like, Emmanuel Rivera can play the corners, but he ain't playing up the middle. And Jace Peterson, you know. Could play, could play some second. Some second play some second, third. but I don't know how many times you want his bat in the lineup. So this might be, we might even have to sign Elvis Andrews and just because we need him. Well, if you have Lawler up, I, I think in that lens, you're good. You might I be think good. you're good. Because you got those two two infielders, you want to keep them, you know, in the lineup as much as possible. And then Rivera's a fine bench fine. bat. Hits 100%. lefties, I'm pretty sure. Peterson's a I'm fine pretty sure. bench bat. <laughs> yeah, he does. That's and, all he does. And then Dom Fletcher, I love as an insurance policy as well to McCarthy. He might even beat McCarthy out for the for the starting job. I still think Fletcher is better than McCarthy. I really like Dom Fletcher. I think he's a good player. I think he's still underrated. Um and I think he ends up maybe taking over that corner spot. So I think they have this good kind of open competition where they can ride the hot hand with some of these players. And that's always good. And then if you want to, you know, potentially make a trade during the season, you can have a little bit more of an idea of who's performing and, and who isn't at that point. Who, what other offensive prospects do you think could make an impact this year for Arizona? It's a good question, man. I like, I, I think you could see, I think you could see Blaze Alexander at some point. Again, that's more of a, a bench infield option. But outside of that, like a lot of their their best prospects are are lower level guys. I mean, they've got Paven Smith still in the fold there. Like, I don't know if if they're going to use him really at all. What do you mean? What do you mean? Yeah. He? Do you see him in the postseason? I think he hit like seven hundred. Right? He went like two. <laughs> he, for did four. Have, he did have some nice he went moments. Three in for the four. Don't sleep on Paven. <laughs> I, I'm rooting for him. I, he had a cool story too. Like the second he got a signing college. bonus, he paid off his parents' mortgage, um, which is super cool. That's a that was a viral video way back. But um, rooting for him. But right now, I mean, you look at their their top prospects. It's pretty much all lower level guys. So I, I don't really think anyone's going to make an impact outside of maybe uh, a Jorge Barosa. That's another guy I really like. Um, but that's another outfielder. So I, I think they got to kind of stick with what they got, roll that way. And then now you look at the rotation and. Yeah, wait, before we move on, we're good, right? I don't think we're going to do anything here. I don't think we do a single thing. I don't think we need to either. I don't think the Diamondbacks will. Look at the team, right? Go through it just just position by position one more time. And for everybody listening, tell me what you would do, because I wouldn't yeah. do anything. Corbin Carroll in left field, Cattell Marte at second base, Gabriel Moreno at catcher, Christian Walker at first base, Eugenio Suarez at third, Alec Thomas in center, Lourdes Gurriel at DH, Geraldo Perdomo at shortstop slash Jordan Waller, and Jake McCarthy in right field slash Dominic Fletcher. The fact that even on like the two slightly question mark positions, you have another option that could be better is is all I need. So and I, then I at the really deadline, right at the deadline, let's say both are struggling for whatever reason, you could go get a right fielder at the deadline. Oh, like yeah. I'm sure the Nationals would listen on Elaine Thomas or yeah, something yeah. like that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we go to the rotation. Gallon. Good. <laughs> Merrill yeah, Kelly, good. Eduardo Rodriguez, Brandon Fott. That's set in stone. You yep. don't have to worry about that. We're good. Five is the question. You got Ryan Nelson. 
Ryan Nelson for me is a serviceable five. I think he's better than he pitched last year. I do think he can get that ERA below five, but huge. <laughs> Trey Jamison would be the guy here if, if he was healthy. Unfortunately, yeah. went down with Tommy John surgery, and that was in September because he, you know, I think had a little bit of an elbow issue. Tried to to come back from it, and that delayed the TJ. So he wiped out his his next season as well. Unfortunately, similar to Andrew Painter. I, I think you got to go look at some starters still just because what happens if Merrill Kelly or Zach Gallen goes down or, or Erod, any of those three. I, and even Brandon fought right coming off of probably the most innings he's ever thrown. If I'm not mistaken, if you include the postseason, then what, you know, you're going to a Slade Chaconi, you're going to Corbin Martin off of injury, Bryce Jarvis, Blake Walston, Tommy Henry, I don't I don't have a lot of trust in those guys. So I do think you need one more starter in the fold here. I don't think it needs to be anything special, but I do think they need one more starter. What do you think? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And there's three ways we can go about it. One is the 90th percentile, which means 90% this is what's going to happen. But there's also a couple of fifth percentiles out there. Do they sign the big pitcher? Right? Do they sign a Jordan Montgomery, a Blake Snell, someone like that? They have the pieces, right, in the lower levels to trade for one of these big fish, whether that be a Dylan Cease, a Corbin Burns, or whoever you want to put on that list. We could workshop those, but most likely the scenario will be they sign someone like an Alex Wood, right? Um, you could bring in... See if Carlos Carrasco has any more juice left in the tank. Yeah. Michael Lorenzen, Mike Clevenger, guys like that. Cheap options, 130 to 140 innings, probably at a mid four ZRA. I think it's going to be better than what Ryan Nelson could give you. Or now this is an option that is probably more likely than signing the big fish or trading for somebody is they just roll and hope Tommy Henry, Ryan Nelson, or Slade Ciccone, one of them works. So here's this is the thing is I, I'm not totally against that if we use those funds. Because I, I think the Diamondbacks historically haven't, you know, haven't spent too much. They already spent a decent amount this year. We'll see how much they'll I think they'll spend a little bit more in the right spot. But if we're gonna use those funds, as much as we said we don't love to spend on relievers, I, I would rather probably get a, an elite reliever. Uh, then, or, or at least a, a not elite because elite's still going to cost ridiculous amount of money, but a very good reliever versus kind of a a four or five starter, and that might be the difference there. Uh, th- there is one other starter I thought of, but I, I don't know what what you would think of this. What about a Zach Granke reunion? Ugh, no. I mean, he's gonna. I would. I would genuinely rather just roll with Henry Ciccone. Or Ryan That's Nelson, I think enough. realistically, all three could be better. I mean, Grinky last year with the Royals was a complete disaster. Like, I like the storyline returning. How many more storylines? How many more returns is Grinky going to make? He already did his return to Kansas City. Is he going to keep returning to these old teams that he's been on at age 40 and I just hope. put up a 70 RA? I'm sick of it. He's tanking, he's tanking the win. He's tanking his, uh, his, his win percentage for sure. Two and fifteen last year, and and four and nine the year before that. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I will say before that, before last year, it was impressive how he could just hover around the low fours. 
Uh, but yeah, last year, a 5.06 ERA. So I, I think I kind of agree with you. Just roll with what you've got. Look, I don't have a ton of faith in those guys, but I do think that they could be a serviceable five. I still think if anyone, Ryan Nelson can actually be a fine five. But if not, yeah, you can plug and play a Chaconi, a Tommy Henry, a Bryce Jarvis, even Corbin Martin now back off injury and hope that one of those guys kind of has it come together for them. Uh, but if you're going to do that, where what are we looking at in the bullpen here? Like, What do you feel like this bullpen is, is, is truly missing? Because going to get Seawald was a move for 2024 as well, which is great. And that's why it was a great move for them. Seawald, closer, solid. Ginkle, solid, as could be. A 2-4 ADRA last year. But after that, dude, I don't trust really anybody. I don't trust Miguel Castro. We talked about that through the postseason. Yeah. Andrew Salfrank, like, I, don't, I don't know what we're going to get from him next year. Uh, and Joe Mantiply, I do think, will be better. I think it was just a little bit of an off year for him. But do you trust Scott McGow? Ryan no. Thompson's fine. Like, the I Arizona I Diamondbacks didn't trust Scott McGuff. Wasn't he not even in the postseason? It might have been an injury, but I didn't see him one time, yeah, I, don't I don't think, remember. get a appearance. I and remember. I saw him blow some of my bets when I was on Diamondbacks money line. That's what I saw. Yeah. No, I, I don't trust that guy at all. And he's 34. So like I like Frias. I think Luis Frias could actually be a, a guy that ascends for them, but you're not counting on that. Nasty. They need a they need an eighth inning, seventh, eighth, eighth inning guy. I mean, it, yeah. your seventh inning guy cannot be Miguel Castro. Yeah, it can't, especially when, you know, your rotation's good, but not elite. You got to go get a better reliever. But at the same time, these asking prices for some of these elite relievers is is nuts. So is is Naris is Naris like a good middle ground for them? Well, instead of spending money. And I know I keep bringing this up, but the Miami Marlins keep telling everybody that they're open for business and they might trade Luis Arias now. Could Tanner Scott, right? Because they could use a lefty, right? Mantiply has shown you good. He's also shown you bad. And Sal Frank hasn't really shown you much, right? He could be a good piece in the bullpen, but those are your lefties, right? So that's why we could go sign a Wandy Peralta, who we've given to like five different teams because he's a perfect fit, or... We could make a trade for Tanner Scott. It wouldn't okay. be crazy expensive, or we could just sign Josh Hader. It's not going to happen. So I'm glad you said it. I didn't want to be the guy. Like I had the exact thought before you and I hopped on, but I didn't want to be the guy that's just always like workshopping trades with the Marlins. The Marlins are the team open for business with yes. plenty of players that can help a bunch of different teams. So might as well just sell them all off. Exactly. And at least the ones that make the most sense, like there is no reason for the Marlins if they are relatively open for business. I can understand holding on to Lizardo. I want them to personally. But why why hold on to a reliever that's already you know, well into his arm, only has a couple more years of control? Like move him. He's already kind of expensive for you. I think he's like five point eight million. But Tanner Scott could also be a guy that closes games for them when it's you know, when it's a left handed heavy ninth inning uh, can be that that setup guy can kind of be the Swiss Army knife for them. And look, the lower level prospects that. You know, the the D-backs have to offer, I think, could get a deal done pretty, pretty easily for them uh, if the Marlins and, and, you know, Diamondbacks were able to kind of match up there. I don't hate it. I just I wonder I wonder how aggressive they're going to be through that lens. Like, do they would they rather go spend on an heiress or do they think that they could actually pull off a trade here? Uh, and, and would they rather part with some of their prospects here? Because the system's fine. Like, I, I think the struggles of Drew Jones um really kind of make this system a little bit 
a little bit thinner than you think too because but Drew I Jones like is also Troy. I like Drew Jordan Jones Waller. is also super young. I mean, I'm you know me. My takes on Drew Jones are I don't know if I've said them publicly. I don't really want them out on the air though. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it, the, just look at the numbers from last year. Look at the swing. It's 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 a work in progress, right? Like, and then outside of that, I mean, outside of their top three guys though. It, it kind of drops off pretty quickly uh, with, with Gino Groover and Jack Hurley, guys that they just drafted. Ivan Melendez, who, you know, I don't have a lot of faith in. AJ Vukovic is okay. Um, you know, when a guy who hasn't played for years and Christian Robinson is like one of your more intriguing prospects outside of the top 10, it kind of gets a little shaky. So, like, I don't know if they're going to want to part from this system. They might want to have those resources for when, you know, they're closer to the deadline. So, if that's but isn't the case, it, isn't it up? Right now, right? Isn't this kind of the window, right? They don't have the greatest farm system, but then you look at the team and it's all these young, incredible players. So while they don't have a great farm system below those guys, Corbin Carroll was the number one prospect in baseball. Gabby Moreno was a top 10 prospect. Brandon Fott was one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. These guys are all up now. So right now, I feel like is the time to kind of push the chips in the middle. You just went to a World Series. Don't get complacent here. You can still now beat anybody. You've already proved it. Imagine the Diamondbacks get back into the postseason and everybody's doubting them again. They're going to have that same edge with experience this time going to the bank, beating the Phillies. They already swept the Dodgers. They are not afraid of the Dodgers, right? The Dodgers can keep adding whoever they want. The Diamondbacks know, hey, you got to come in and beat us now. Straight up. Yep. They just swept them. They didn't beat them in a series where they got lucky. They beat the living piss out of them. Respect all the Dodgers fans out there. But that's what happened. Yeah. So if I'm the Dumbbacks, you kind of are making some moves that tell me you agree with me, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, they, I mean, they've been as aggressive as we've seen them. Um, they're going to get Eduardo Rodriguez. Like, I think now you call the Brewers and see what Devin Williams is going to cost. You call the Marlins about Tanner Scott, right? Like, they don't have a great system, but they have enough to trade for a reliever. At least here's, I think. Here's my problem with the farm is if I'm the Marlins, I'm not doing it for basically anybody outside of their top three because it drops off so badly. It's same with the Brewers. And if I'm the Diamondbacks, I'm not trading Jordan Wall or Drew Jones or Tommy Troy for a reliever. So you're kind of stuck there. What if like you, you traded Tommy Troy and pieces for Devin Williams? Or would it need more cost pieces more? than that? Yeah. So they're in this tweener zone where I almost wonder, just go sign two relievers. Matt can Moore, do that. Matt Moore's your lefty. Unless they really like Sal Frank. What about Wandy Peralta? I mean, he's legit better than Matt Moore is. is Matt he, Moore, is we, have, we have no guarantee if he's even going to last the season. Go check out Wandy's stats. Just do a little query over there. Okay. Do a little query. What do you think? What do you think Hector Neris brings in? More than I think we'd want to admit. There's like four teams in on him right now. He might be a three or $45 million guy. I mean, yeah, he declined an eight and a half million dollar option. So yeah. hit a one seven one. Yeah. I don't want to buy a, a buy a high on a guy like that. So ugh. on Neris or on Wandy? No, Neris. I'd rather yeah, buy Wandy. We need a lefty anyway. All right. Wandy. And then we go one more. Do we go with. Mm. We could almost I wonder how much Alex Wood is going to cost because he could provide some starting pitching uh, versatility as well as kind of be an opener, like a three, four inning guy 
Um, because they, like I said, they're kind of missing that now with Dre Jameson going down, but maybe Tommy Henry just ends up being that guy. So maybe Alex Wood, it's like, well, if you sign Alex Wood, that's just the older version of Tommy Henry. Um, but like, just get someone who's super reliable, like a John Brebbia, who I feel like throws six times a week for the San Francisco Giants over the years. Um, yeah, those are the guys that I'd be interested in. Wandy, I don't think he's going to be that expensive. Um, if you want a little bit of an edge, you could consider Amir Garrett. I was um, saying, what about an Aroldis Chapman? No, dude, no. Like, no. if I'm a team, I don't, I just don't even want him, and he's going to be kind of expensive. Aroldis Chapman should go to the Angels. <laughs> That's a great place for him. Yeah. Just, just, go, just, just finish it out over there. Yeah, go to the it's, it's like he's and then Artie Moreto will be like, "We just got to roll this chat, man. You think we're not in? How dare you?" I mean, like he was good. I know that he like hit a wall, and like I know he has those unusable. You don't want. Times. I'm just. I'm being honest. You can I, sign him if you want. I'm not co-signing it. The season. We're the owners he, right now. I'm not doing it. The season that he had last year was would have been one of the be- better seasons he had as a Yankee, um, but. I get it, but it's a three oh nine ERA. That's sixteen Ks per nine. Like, that's pretty good, man. I know it's just he has one a one, and he still looks like the greatest reliever of all time. Then he's at ninety six, and he gets punished. I just, and maybe maybe it's my bias, just being so done with the world as chapman. But over it, the years. you're gonna say no every every episode. Who's gonna? <laughs> It's going to sign him. The Angels. That's perfect. <laughs> That's the only time we're going to mock him. I think he already mocked him to the Angels. Um, mm, okay. I do agree. Someone that could be stretched out a little bit would be nice to to go with a Wandy. Um, I feel like Colin McHugh could be an option. He doesn't really Definitely. get stretched out much anymore, but he could still easily do that. He opened once last year, but he's opened several times in the last few years. Did it seven times with the Rays. Uh I, I kind of like him as an option for them. Yeah, I'm down with Colin McHugh and Wani Peralta. That, that's probably about it, right? Like, they don't they don't need much. No, they just went to the World Series, and now they're getting more reinforcements. And they already kind of did some deals for us. That's the you that's know the thing. Yeah, it, towards the tail end of playing the, general manager, we yeah. probably would have added it, Eduardo Rodriguez. We might have added a Eugenio Suarez, and yet here we are, right? They did it for us. Yeah, We probably wouldn't have guessed it was Suarez, but we would have added a third baseman. I know a lot of us at the beginning thought Matt Chapman was mm-hmm. a great, could be a good signing for Arizona, and they decided they'd rather trade for Suarez. It, so now all they need to do is add a couple of bullpen arms, and let's go back and try and win a World Series this time, Arizona. And, and can I say, I like... The approach, I'm glad you mentioned that. I like the approach a lot more of trading for Suarez and signing uh, signing Eduardo Rodriguez instead of just paying Matt Chapman because it's probably going to yeah. even out financially to about the same. Way better approach. So Way better. Good job there you know, by the D-backs. I like everything that they're doing so far. So not the sexiest playing GM, but you know what? That's a testament to the Arizona Diamondbacks. It'll be a little bit more interesting for this next team, though. This next team, the Boston Red Sox, we have some interesting decisions to make because we also remember we have to operate within reasonability of what we understand the big league team to be operating like. And the the, quote. Yeah. Can you can you read the quote? I'll just the the floor is yours, Peter, on on where they're at right now. Um, Of course, we're, we're going to try to make this team good. 
but it's one of those things before I, I kick it to you, they got to want to make themselves good. So let's see, you know, what we think the front office is going to do based on this recent quote. Well, Arm, we gave them a New Year's resolution. Uh, stop spending money on Liverpool and start spending it on the New York or on the Boston Red Sox. Excuse me. New quote from the Boston Globe. Craig Breslow, new GM of the Red Sox. The reality is that it's going to require a step forward from the young position players. It's going to require the built out of a talent pipeline of arms that we can acquire, draft and develop internally. Keyword internally. And now Red Sox Twitter is a place, right? They've yeah. been, quote unquote, the front runners for a lot of these free agents and continue to be outbid, it seems like. Right? Yes, it's embarrassing and it's not embarrassing for the fans. You guys did nothing wrong. You pay high ticket prices. You pay for parking. You support this team until the very end. And they've rewarded you with a couple of championships in the last decade or, you know, in the, at least the 21st century. But the reality is this team has finished in last place three of the last four years. And when you look at the landscape of the American League East, if they don't make changes, don't we see the same fate again, again, again? I know I just said again three times, but <laughs> it should be again four times because it'll be four of the last five. I cannot believe this is the route that they are going. They make so much money. They are the third most valuable MLB franchise. Yankees one, Dodgers two, Red Sox three. You are a historic, storied franchise in Major League Baseball. And this is how you operate? It's embarrassing. Yeah, it's embarrassing. And I'll say Chris Cotillo, who's the Red Sox beat writer for MassLive.com, has done an, an unbelievable job covering this because, look, he, he's been very transparent the whole time and said, like, look, this team, every everyone I've talked to has said that this team is operating like, you know, a, a small market team. And he has been very uh, unafraid to to peel back the curtain and say, hey, this is what's going on here. And it's funny, dude. I mean, did you ever think you'd feel bad for Red Sox fans? As a Yankees fan growing up, like, did you ever, I genuinely, I'm not a, I never grew up a Yankees fan, so I don't really have a horse in the race, but I genuinely feel bad for Red Sox fans because they have raised ticket prices over the last few years. Um, they, they did have a really surprising run, not really, but surprising run a few years ago that found them a game away from the World Series. And since then, it's just been walking backwards. And now the big word is a bridge year, right? How many bridge years is it before it's just, Hey, we're trying to operate like the race. Like if you told me that the quote that you just read from their new GM, Craig Breslow, which I don't think is Breslow's fault. It's the same. No, they, they, it's the same thing that Heim Bloom had to deal with. They fire him and then they're making Breslow deal with the same shit. Like it doesn't make sense. But if you read me that quote, I would have assumed that it was from Peter Bendix, the, the new Marlins GM. I wouldn't have assumed that it's from, you know, the new general manager or the new you know head, head of decisions for baseball operations for the freaking Boston Red Sox. So, from that lens, it's 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 really surprising. But that said, like this team is not that far away from being good. And that's no. why it's really surprising to me. They went 78 and 84 last year. They did add a couple players. Uh, do you have anything else to add before I, I go into the additions and subtractions? Uh, not really, other than the fact that I don't mind this team. I, I they're not great, right? But it's a team that if you made big signings, they have at least a core plus more free agents 
to really compete in the American League. So it's one thing for the Red Sox to act like a small market team, but then act like a small market team when you have a window right now. How many more years are you going to have Rafael Devers? Is he going to be just the next star that you end up not? Oh, wait, they did extend him. They they? did extend him. They did extend him. So at least you have Rafael Devers there. But the rest of the team, like, what? what's everyone going to be? Like, you signed Masataki Yoshida, and then what? Okay. It's kind of over. Now they're shopping him, uh, uh, allegedly. Like, reportedly, he's he's available. Like, uh, that's the other side of it now is, who the hell is going to want to sign with them unless you're Lucas Giolito getting paid a ton on a two-year deal as a reclamation project? If if you're hearing that guys are getting moved, uh, you see that Chris Sale trade, which I, I don't think was bad in a vacuum, but again, it's more about the, the larger picture. You look at these things and you see Yoshida, you know, I don't know how much validity there was to those conversations, but I, I buy it based on everything else we've heard. Why would you sign there? Now, why would you want to sign with the Red Sox? And I think that's part of the reason why. I don't know if it was just getting outbid, but I think it's also players just seeing the direction of the Red Sox and saying, I'd rather sign somewhere else where, you know, at least I know that I'm not going to be one of the only pieces they add, which again, it just, this isn't a Red Sox that I'm familiar with in my lifetime. That's for sure. You want to go over their full transaction list and then we'll get straight into it. Let's do it. So I'll focus with on, on who they've lost thus far, because it's actually pretty significant um, as, as they're trying to, you know, add and build back up. So in terms of who they lost in free agency, Adam Duvall, who was balling out before the unfortunate injury. Um, so I'm interested to see where he lands. Justin Turner also really hit you know well last year. James Paxton, Jolie Rodriguez, Richard Blyer, Corey Kluber, Alberto Mondesi, who was a ghost for them anyways. Those are the players that go, you know, the other way. And, and unless they did, you know are able to, to add somebody back or re-sign somebody, I doubt it though. They do go out and trade for Tyler O'Neill. They get Von Grissom from the Braves in that Chris Sale salary dump, and they signed Lucas Giolito. They also acquired Justin Slayton via the Rule 5 draft, who I actually think was one of the best selections in the Rule 5 draft. And that's the thing is the Red Sox are going to build pitching depth because Breslow is phenomenal at that. That's why they added him. But the fact that that should be like a bonus, that should be part of the reason why you can be a really, really good franchise because you can spend and develop. Leaning on that as an excuse to be cheap is not it. That said, I do love the addition of, of Slayton. So, I mean, that's really it. Roberto Perez, I think, as a non-roster invitee at catcher. And that's pretty much all the the additions that we've got, unless I'm I'm missing something outside of the obvious here. But I mean, look, I liked I liked the O'Neill ad. I liked Von Grissom. We'll go through the lineup. But they've lost would you say they've lost more than they've added thus far? I'd say definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think they've kind of stayed the same. I don't know if they've lost more than they added, right? Like, I, you know, Turner was I prefer good. if I'm the Braves to get Chris Sale, but Von Grissom should be a good or at least a relatively good player for them next year. Yes. I still think Tyler O'Neill has a ton of upside and they didn't give up much for him, right? But losing James Paxton stinks. So they lost Sale and Paxton and what is probably their weakness, right? It's probably the rotation. This team... This offense finished ninth in OPS last season. Starters finished 22nd in ERA, bullpen 20th in ERA. So I think the offense maybe got a little bit better, I would say. Pitching got worse, and it was already bad. And that was already a big reason why you weren't competing last year. Yeah. So do I think they got better or worse? I don't know. I think they might be a 78-win team again with this current roster. But I feel like, and and this is why this might be the hardest 
GM episode to do. Should we operate as if we are the Boston Red Sox yeah. and we have money? Or no. should we operate like a small market GM team and leave Red Sox fans with a carcass of a roster? I think you got to lean somewhere in the middle, which is what they're going to do, right? Is is that kind of bridge scenario? What is the middle? And try to to illustrate what would be the best case scenario for them hovering somewhere in the middle, um, which is, I don't even totally know what it looks like. Because if you look at the lineup, let's walk through it here. I actually think the lineup can be good. Me too. Uh, Jaron Duran's good. Like he's a, he, really he was banged up, but if he had a full season, I think people would really realize how productive he was. That dude arm, jacked. He is so jacked. I don't know what he did this past offseason, but he came in looking like a Brinks truck. I mean, this guy was fast, athletic, looked like a completely different player than he was in previous years. I mean, the dude nearly hit 300 almost slugged 500. Now the home runs weren't necessarily there, but the stolen bases were and the doubles were there. Yeah. He's a player that if I'm a Red Sox fan, I'm very excited about for next year. It kind of came out of nowhere. And the home runs will come. Like he hits the ball hard. Obviously hard. he's jacked. And so yeah. that, that's a good player for you. You feel really good about Duran, I think in center field, Rafael Devers at third base for the next decade. You're good there. Tristan yeah. Casas. He's a guy that's going to get better. Now, I mean, he was unbelievably good in the second half. He's going to be he even won, better. He almost won rookie year. of the year because of how good he was in the second yeah. half. And that was with Gunner. Thank goodness. Cause that was one of those wagers I made with, with the listeners of the call up that I said, if uh, Casas is not a, a decent big leaguer, you can punch me in the face. And after the slow for like first half of the, of his big league career, I was like kind of scared to go outside. I was like, cause I didn't say when I didn't say by when. So Correct. I'm glad that that Casas is balling out. He he's going to be a natural upgrade for them just based on him hitting better than he's going to hit. You know, that he hit over the course of the whole season. Story back. Look, I, I am not the biggest Trevor Story guy, but I can promise you they're going to get more production. Just him being available. Only 168 yeah. plate appearances last year. He had 203, 253, 16. I will say since repairing that arm and, and just kind of getting healthy, the defense was very, very solid last year, which was a huge, huge development for him, considering you know the inconsistency of the bat. They're going to get more value from Trevor Story, whether you believe in him you know, or not. They will get more. So that does yeah. help. It's kind of like on the Yankees side with Carlos Rodon after putting up like a six, yes. eight, three ERA and however many starts. It's like, I don't think he's going to get worse. Do we think that he achieves what Carlos Rodon was a couple of years ago or what Trevor Story was a couple of years ago? Probably not. Are they still going to be good? Yes, they'll be. Yeah. And which is a which is a huge gain for them, for, for both teams. And so that side of it, I think that's a great analogy. Masataka Yoshida moving to DH will naturally just be better for you. Uh, yes. The guy can swing it. And I think a big reason why he fizzled at the end of the season was the fact that he was, you know, chasing his own tail in the outfield. I really don't think that helped at all. And and it was it was brutal for him out there. So him at DH, great. Tower O'Neill, I know you you and Jack love him more than I do, but I I get why you guys love him. I can see how exciting it could be. And that's a guy that you you go for the upside there in left field because you need upside on a team like this. He's going to be a free agent, I believe, after after this year. So why not give it a shot here with Tyler O'Neill, see what he can do? You know, at the very least, you just got much better defense in left field than what you were getting from Masataka Yoshida. I mean, when Tyler O'Neill is on, it looks like an MVP candidate. Like, I almost compare him to, you know, when I've always been super high on Ketel Marte. There's yeah. just like a level of talent there that if it clicks, not saying that it will this year, I have no idea. Right. Because sometimes it looks like he couldn't hit water if he fell off a boat. And then there's sometimes when he's locked in 
and he looks that athletic in the outfield, and he's just a bomb threat as soon as he steps up to the plate, that you view him as one of the most talented guys. Mm -hmm. It's just about being consistent and staying healthy over an entire season. But if I'm a Red Sox fan, I'm dreaming right now because he could be crazy. He also could flat out suck. So it's a the difference with Cattell Marte is his bad is not nearly as bad as Tyler O'Neill's. No, it's it's but Tyler it, O'Neill's so much higher offensively. But Tyler but, O'Neill's good. I think it's MVP caliber. It's that electric of a bat. Well, when when he's defending the way he can defend, he can hit for power. He steals bags. It's just. It just has never all been there for him, really, other than that one stretch that we got because of, I would say, predominantly injuries. But also, I wouldn't underestimate a really weird situation in St. Louis. And and I think a situation where he he definitely probably went a little bit stale there. And and, you know, obviously there was some weird comments back and forth that we saw at some points with the benching and all that good stuff. So. I love O'Neill and left for them, especially for what they gave up, you know, reliever and another arm. Great, great addition for them. William Abreu, I actually think, is an incredibly underrated piece. I I said that dating all the way back to the trade when it went down, when they traded Christian Vasquez to the Astros. So go get Abreu. He hits. I saw him in the Arizona Fall League. I've seen him one other time in in the minor leagues, and then I've also just kind of followed him since the trade. He can swing it, man. And look, if he can't, if he struggles, you've got Sedan Rafaela waiting in the wings, who can also play an elite outfield or plug in at shortstop. But I I think Abreu can swing it. And, And in his short taste last year, he put up good numbers, put up great numbers in AAA. He can run a little bit. He's just 24 years old. I do think he's very underrated and could be a good option for them. Yeah, he's only 25 years old and those good numbers, right? 862 OPS. I know it was only 76 plate appearances, but 24 hits, hit 316, 388 OBP. That's someone to be excited about. And like you said, they have Sedane Raphael. That's why I think we're so upset at the Red Sox right now. Look at this team. All you need to do is go trade for an ace, sign a Montgomery or a Snell, which they could legitimately do both. Easily. 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 And they're just not gonna. It's almost the same conversation we're having with the Orioles. Red Sox, you are not the Orioles. You are not. Come on. Look at this team. This is a great offense. Finished ninth in OPS last year. They might even be better. Yeah. There's $61 million under the luxury tax threshold. This should be a team that's always flirting. You don't even need to go over it. At least flirt with the luxury tax threshold. Uh, Von Grissom at second base. Look, this was a great get. Again, in in the vacuum of the move, it's frustrating because it's like, oh, salary dump of Chris Sale. But to get Grissom back, great. I think he can swing it. He's he's been a victim of circumstance. That guy skipped the entire minor leagues. You know, basically, it barely played any games in double A. Debuts in the show. Plays well for the Braves down the stretch and then hit a little bit of a wall later on. But again, this guy was like forced to develop at the big league level, goes back to triple A, puts up great numbers there. And I think now being able to play second base, he can play a very solid second base, a well above average second base, and he can swing it. He'll be their everyday second baseman. I think he'll be a good one. So that was a a good get for them, too. Absolutely. Let's talk catcher, because I think that's kind of the only issue here. Are you a Connor Wong guy? He's the last one left from the Mookie Betts deal. I like Connor Wong as a backup. I think yeah, he's a good too. backup catcher because he's versatile. Uh, he's kind of Austin Barnsey, uh, where like in an emergency, you can plug him in other spots. He's he's, he's athletic. He he does some things well, um, but they've got two backup catchers. That's the reality of it. I'm not a, I'm not much of a Reese McGuire guy. I, I know he had a little bit of a nice stretch, but this was this would be the position I'd want to upgrade. 
but they drafted Kyle Teal. He already got to double A last year. So I don't see yeah. them. I don't see them really going for a long-term option. But if this team wants to just at least give it a shot next year, I would consider like trying to sign just a, a, a decent free agent catcher. Is there anybody else left on the market? No, there's nobody left. That's a problem. I mean, but like I Gary Sanchez? Gary Sanchez? I would love Gary Sanchez for them, but I just feel like there's no way they do it, right? I mean, no. They went know. out and signed Roberto Perez already, which kind of tells me, hey, we're rolling tells with the two you. that we've got and we're just going to roll with it. So just put us on record saying we don't like it, but we know that they're not going to do anything and we want to be realistic for you guys there. And it's not uh, like we hate it, right? Like, no, there's, it's not terrible. It's just it we worse. think we think highly of the Red Sox and we think that they should have better than the 23rd ranked catcher in Major League Baseball as their and, starter. And here's the reality. This bridge year, because they're going to wait for Kyle Teal, who should be ready in 2025. Roman Anthony, who's also a top 15 prospect in baseball, he'll be ready in 2025. Marcelo Meyer, they're hoping will be ready in 2025. Like, that's what they're focused on, which is which is disappointing. But Looking at the lineup here, is there, is there anything that you do? The bench is McGuire, Emmanuel Valdez, Bobby Dalbeck, and Rob Refsnyder, the it's lefty murderer. It's a good bench. Yeah. I, yeah, this offense is good. It's fine. I like they it. You could beat this year, but now it's stuck pitching. Let's get, yeah, this is where it gets ugly. I, I would say I'm not going in the order of roster resource out of respect. Brian Bayo is probably the ace of this staff. So Brian Bayo, Lucas Giolito, Nick Pavetta, Tanner Houck, Cutter Crawford. No. No. It, it, it can't be this. It, it just can't, can't be this. And, like unless this, you want to call it a rebuilding last year. year. This is worse than last year, and they were a bottom 10 rotation. And I thought they got lucky with some of the contributions that they got from guys. Like, I don't even know. Like, Pavetta did have a really nice stretch, and, and he might have found something. He looked dominant to he his credit. He looked dominant. But Hauk was a guy that they moved kind of back and forth for a reason. He might not be able to settle in the bullpen. I don't know how much I believe in what Cutter Crawford did. I I, I feel like they've got to move Kenley to clear up some money to either go sign somebody. So. We'll get to the bullpen in a second. But they pretty much have said we're not going to add any more money, only if we subtract. So we would have to dump Kenley and then sign a pitcher or trade for a pitcher. But it seems like they want to develop. So, you know, what do you what do you do here? I think you trade Kenley for a minor league pitcher who is relatively close to making it. Um, Like Garrett Whitlock is an interesting cat because he's shown flashes of being able to stay in the rotation and then he gets banged up. He just can't make it through. But he's also been really good in the bullpen. And that's kind of what Tanner Houck is. Like both of these guys, I think you'd prefer them to be in the bullpen, but most likely they're going to have to be making starts. Same thing with Carter Crawford. He's never been able to prove that he can withstand a long season. I know there's like a month in there or two where he looks really good and you get excited and then it kind of comes crashing down, right? Brian Bayo, we both like 4 2 4 ERA last year. Yeah. Right? It's not like he's like, oh, we have one guy that we're really going to build around. We think he could be good. I, I like him a lot. Is ace upside? No, not ace, ace upside. upside. No, but it, that's exactly like that's the one guy who we're believing in right now. And like Giolito, you know, maybe the Red Sox do some magic here, right? They signed him for a reason. They think that they can fix him. Lance Brodzowski came on this show and said that there's a lot of things that he likes in Giolito's repertoire. Maybe that ends up being solid. But I think that's the upside here. Like that's the ceiling is solid. 
Yeah. So if your ceilings are solid with two, three of them, we have to do so much work, but we can't. We're handcuffed. It's probably what Greg Breslow lays his head on the pillow at night and be like, fuck, what did I get myself into? Yeah. I I wonder if he already regrets it. <laughs> like I, I just thinking about it from that lens, I'm just like, you could have probably waited for a better opportunity, but here but he is. Red Sox. Yeah. Like this is the Boston Red Sox. This is kind of the theme of our entire episode. This is the Boston Red Sox we're talking about here. Do you? So here's what I think you got to dump. You got to dump Kenley Jansen. But I think with his contract, you're not going to you're not going to get much in return for him. Like, I think it's you're just hoping you can dump that contract. If you dump was that very good last year, was he very good last year or was he just no? Like, no, I was about to say I did mean to put the very in front, but he was good. Right. Three, six, three ERAs saved twenty nine games. Struck out more than he uh, had innings, right? I mean, he's still good. He's not. Yeah, you know, he's bad. good. He's good. He's out is, of 40. He's 36. Is he worth, what is he owed this year? Is it 16 million or something like that? Like, maybe I mean, now? in this day and age, maybe, right? Hector Nair's probably going to have 15. Yeah, I, so I think you could kind of just dump him. He's owed 16 million this year. You could probably just, just dump him and get some sort of lower level prospect back. Great. You, you cleared up that money. Now, how do you reinvest that $16 million? We could trade him to the D-backs. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually not a bad idea. We, know, we didn't right? even think about that until we got to here. I mean, we, we said every GM episode would be independent. Otherwise, it would be the biggest brain blender of all time. Well, like, What so. about Kenley Jansen for one of those Chaconi, Henry, or Ryan Nelson guys? <laughs> you know? I, I wouldn't I, I know. I don't know. I'm just trying to be creative here. I would say. Mm, yeah, like, I, dude, I, mean, I don't think he's worth that much just because of how expensive huh. it is. It's a one no, he might not million be. dollar deal. He might not maybe, be. Maybe you could get Bryce Jarvis back. Like, all right. No, no. I mean, that's let's just assume you dump him for, for, for very little. You clear that 16 mil. Who at 16 to 18, 19, 20 mil AAV can you add? To this rotation, that would take a shorter term deal. Stroman was kind of the answer. Stroman was the answer. He just probably didn't want to pitch there. Yeah, um, for, I mean, yeah, there's obviously. really nobody left because you're going high end or you're going low end. Like it ain't Snell. Apparently, it ain't Jaymont, right? Like, would Kershaw want to end his career as a Red Sox? No, probably way, right? not. Nah. Um, I mean, then it's like like the same guys we talked about in the Dimebacks episode, like. Lorenzen, Clevenger, Rich Hill, Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco. I think Carrasco. those guys, they're not bringing Kluber back, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just going through all the names here, like Brad I think Keller. Clevenger, Clevenger makes the most sense. What about bringing back Paxton? I don't know why they wouldn't after not trading him, but it sounds like they're probably going to get priced out of him too. I mean, that's so embarrassing. How do you price out of James Paxton? <laughs> the Red Sox... I think Clevenger, just because of the bounce back Great. ability. Great. <laughs> Does that make you, you kind of in on that? Because I think it's going to be around that amount of money. He declined a $12 million option. Are the Red Sox better if we get rid of Kenley and add Mike Clevenger for the same amount of I money? I think yes, because no. Clevenger you gave so? you 130. He was 131 innings at a 3.77 last year. Yeah, that is pretty good. That, that, might be, that, that would be the best on their staff, by the way. So, no. Oh, no. 
right? Like that would be the best that they had last year. And he was better in the second half as he continues to get further away from those injuries. And, and how, can, how can legit be a closer? I think I, I agree. think he could be that good in the bullpen. So yeah, I'd rather have the bullpen. And Chris Martin was weirdly the greatest reliever of all time last year. I think he could be their closer. So I, yeah. I would go Clevenger. I think he's the perfect fit for them because that's also a guy that throws a lot of pitches that has some unique stuff that just has kind of lost it. Uh, obviously regained some of it last year, but I, I promise it had nothing to do with the White Sox. So now maybe they're able to get a little bit more out of him. This is another like reclamation project at 33 that if you suck, you can flip him. Uh, if you if you're hanging around, like he could be a big reason as to why you're hanging around. Just a guy that can give you quality innings. I think you dump Kenley and you put that money straight into into Mike Clevenger. Yeah, I think it's fair. What you keep saying dump, though, I feel like he's not going to get dumped for nothing. Like, I think they could still get back something. I just don't know what it would be. I truly don't. And maybe, you know, I'm being the idiot here where it's like, hey, Arm, I think he's worth more, but I don't know how much more. It's just hard, so hard for me to believe that he's worth nothing. It's he was still very, good last it, it, year. He's still Kenley Jansen. You know that he's going to close games for you and be a good guy in the locker room. Like, I, you can't tell me it's nothing. Yeah, I mean, I wonder because so it's a good it's a good question because, I mean, right now he's just, it'll change when a couple of guys sign, especially Hater, maybe even Naris, but. As of now, for for AAV, no reliever is owed more than Kenley Jansen next year other than Edwin Diaz. It's 20.4 for Edwin. It's 16 for Kenley. It's 15 for Presley. It's 14.5 for Iglesias. And it's 14.1 if, if it was still, you know, hater. But mm. that's what he was making last year. So, I mean... Craig, but on the on the other side of it, Craig Kimbrell got one year, 13 million from, from the Orioles. So from that lens, I'm like, okay, um, you're going to get something back for him. I just don't think it's anything substantial. It's probably uh, an arm that Breslow wants to take a flyer on. So you trade him for that, a flyer prospect arm, probably a guy 10 to 15 range in a system and a lottery ticket. And then you put that money to Clevenger. I think that's fine. Drew trade him to Dimex? Honestly, like, yeah. Yeah. I'm in on that. Who would it have to be, you think, if you go through their system? Would it be centered around a Tommy Henry or Slade Jaconi or Ryan Nelson? Or do you think they'd have to go lower levels? I think even I think a Bryce Jarvis could make sense. Landon Sims. I was like, you know, he was just he has not been good because he's been hurt and just the Velo hasn't been back yet. Like that could be like the reclamation project that we're talking about here. Um, I kind of like a Landon Sims and uh, like one other arm that's just kind of a work in progress. But I like the Landon Sims idea. The dude was unbelievable in college. And if he can be something right, I think if that arm stays healthy, worst case scenario, you're looking at a pretty good reliever. He could bounce back. And and for Arizona, they're like, oh, well, if he has a bad year this year, we can't get anything for him. So, yeah, it's kind and of now you have Kenley Jansen. Yeah, I send him Landon Sims. Done. Hey, Red Sox. We got a little reclamation project, and now you yep. got Mike Clevenger. I mean, that team is better. And then it's we better. can go get some regular-ass bullpen arms that Craig Breslow would like, and we can turn this bullpen into not terrible. I love – I, I think Slayton's going to be great for them. Um, just put me on record there. I, I, I thought he was the most intriguing arm in the Rule 5. He might even be a guy that they use multi-inning. So they get him. I, I think he might have been data-wise the best arm in the Rule 5. So that that side of it – Good to have there. Whitlock could be a guy that they try in the rotation as well here and there, but I like him better as a reliever, as you mentioned, for all the reasons. And now we're moving Houck back into that bullpen. 
Yeah, I think the bullpen's kind of fine, right? Like again, I is there like a bounce back super cheap candidate that you like that's just worth worth the risk? Um, I mean, this is where Matt Moore could come into the fold for the Red Sox. They definitely need a lefty. Um another one. I want to add a lefty, right? Because I'm looking at a Red Sox pen. The only lefty in here is Brennan Bernardino, who was really solid for them last year, 3-2-0 ERA in 50 innings, but he is legit the only lefty in their pen. So I would like to add a different one. Um, do you want to trade with the Marlins and go get <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Mark I Melanson? Mean, I mean, it could be back. like a, a Jake Diekman goes. Okay. Right? It's fine. Give him Diekman. I mean, you could also, I mean, Colby Allard is 26, relatively top prospect Ooh, at one point. Fuji, Fuji, done. Fuji. Another righty, though? I just, I love the idea of Breslau getting his hands on Fuji. Is Drew Pomeranz going to be able to pitch this year? Ever? I don't know. You got any updates on Drew Pomeranz? <laughs> I mean, really. he was good at one point. I would love the Red Sox to get involved with Fuji. I think I mean, you like that for the meme less than no, actually be good. It, it, this is one of the more talented arms that's going to be available, but he just he, he needs help. He needs he needs help. What about Denelson Lamette again? Oh God! <laughs> All right, just just pick one. Just just pick one. I think I really want a lefty. I really do. Okay. Um, I want. I think Jake Diekman is fine. All right, done. I think he's could be kind of nasty. This bolt like. Do you disagree that this bullpen absolutely needs a lefty? No, it definitely needs a lefty. All they have is Brennan Bernardino. Yeah. Who's I don't mind, but that's it. Yeah, I would say Matt Moore or Diekman. Who'd you rather have? <laughs> I'd rather have Matt Moore. Sure. Matt Moore. All right. Matt Moore. All right. So what we did is we traded Kenley. We got back uh intriguing pr- pitching prospect in Landon, Landon Sims. Sims. Then we signed Mike Clevenger and we begged we begged ownership to let us go get a better catcher, but they said, no, wait for Kyle Teal. And then we added one more reliever, Matt Moore, and that's it. Welcome to the 2024, 2025, pretty much. You know, 2024 Boston Red Sox, and I don't know if 2025 is going to look much different either. Red Sox fans, if we were in charge, we would, uh, I don't know what we would do to John Henry, but we would somehow find a way to replace ownership and we would build the team that you all deserve. You're good fans. I genuinely would. I love the back and forth between the Yankees and the Red Sox. You deserve more. Your team is good, and it could easily go up to the next level. And you guys could could become a World Series favorite if you were to add two big arms, right? Because in a perfect world, the Red Sox are being the Red Sox. They have the system to trade for Corbin Burns, and then let's say they also sign Jordan Montgomery, right? It's not impossible. And then we're looking at a rotation of Burns. Montgomery, Gilito, Bayo, and Pavetta. That'd be great. Then we're cooking here with that offense. And then we could also be the team to sign Josh Hader. You know why? Because of the Red Sox. Yeah. I, I think could. That, I, the last thing I'll say is I think that they should not be on Sunday Night Baseball with the Yankees until they eclipse $200 million on payroll. I don't know. That Clark Schmidt, Nick Pavetta Sunday night game with Bernardino hit. coming out of the pen to face. Yeah. To face the lefties. Yeah. That, I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, yeah. No more Sunday night baseball with them until they get over 200 million. That's all I got, but I think it's fair. 
You want to take us great out? Great episode, though. Great episode overall. Guys, go get yourself some Just Baseball merch. I'm rocking the sweatshirt and I'm rocking the hat. Ooh. Full Just Baseball outfit here for me. Go get yours in the episode description. And again, it really helps us out if you guys rate and review five stars on Spotify and or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts and hit that red, big red subscribe button. Come on, hit it. It's free. Helps us out. I'm coming out with me personally putting out a short form YouTube video. Make sure to stay tuned for that one. I know Arm's got more in the tank. Ryan, Jack, the whole gang here at Just Baseball. Really appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back on Friday. It's Jack and Arm. They're doing the Chicago's. So stay tuned for that. So we'll see you on Friday. And with that, thank you, everybody.